When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. are live good morning everybody happy thursday this is pre-market prep spencer israel with joel conan and dennis dick uh you know what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about tesla um not much to hate in that report right it was a pretty pretty beast of a report uh they are operating on all cylinders right now despite a global chip shortage we'll talk about the airlines as well we'll talk carvana not sure if you guys saw what happened after hours in carvana stock but uh it was extremely volatile i thought it was a disaster and then it wasn't and i don't even know anymore so uh cameron dawson is today's guest field point private one of our favorite guests will be on at 8 35 in the meantime it would be amazing if you all could just hit that little thumbs up button right there with take your little index finger and hit the little thumbs up on the on the screen. I'd appreciate that. And let's start the show. Here we go. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, we are starting on YouTube in just one second, but we are live, so I'm going to bring on Joel here. If you could share your charts, please go right ahead and do that. And uh, what do we got here this morning, Joel? <laughs> we're ripping. Instead of dipping, we're ripping. Uh, strong close, strong after hours, thanks to Tesla. And, uh, boy, they just kept on going. You never even got a chance to see that closing price at $55.50. Uh, we're up 41 three-quarters handles at forty-four ninety-seven and a quarter. Not much in here, folks. We are trading above last week's high. Uh, crude up $0.98 cents at $103.17. Uh, who needs gold in this market? Uh, gold is trading down $15.50 in 1940.10. Silver, not only is it under 26 it's under 25 down 56 cents at 24.71 hey let's get risky let's buy some bitcoin up 13.70 at 42.605 and ethereum moving lockstep with it up just about the same on a percentage basis you have bitcoin or ethereum futures up 93 dollars and 50 cents at 31.62 uh we're gonna bring in triple d and he's gonna tell us how many trades he did in Carvana last night? Uh, 
I watched that thing. That was crazy. That Carvana. Wow, that Carvana. I don't even know what to say about that Carvana. Everybody's going to be talking about Tesla, but all I can talk about is Carvana. <laughs> because that was a crazy, crazy, crazy night for it. Bring it up. The charts won't even do it justice, probably. Get Twitter off there. Who's talking about Twitter Just anymore? The Twitter relics, story's over. Relics, relics, relics. The Twitter story's over. Oh, it's over. It's over. Okay. It's so over what's until happen? we get more news. It's going to sit here and do nothing until we figure out whether there's deal or no deal. We already discussed that one yesterday. Before you go talk. into the price action, do you know that I lost a, um, a lunch bet with you on Carvana? Huh? When? Yeah. A long time ago. You remember this, Spencer? Really? You, you're was... fessing up to it, too. Yeah. It I was like this tri- fessing up. This, I think it was trading like around 260, 270 or was something. Was like bullish or bearish? You took 320 or something like that. Whoa. And, I took, and I took 220. And I like, won? Yeah, you won. Genius. You got to go with that momentum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. I tell you, you couldn't go with the momentum last night, though, in this thing, Joel, because the momentum <laughs> was clearly to the downside. We're going to throw us to Spencer Israel here now. Because this was a disaster that all of a sudden everybody decided that they had to buy. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a disaster uh, to, to to be clear for for uh, uh, about a year now. But anyway, the earnings per share. I, I guess we'll do this, and then we'll go to Tesla. The earnings per share for Carvana in the first quarter, two dollar eighty nine cent loss versus an estimate of a dollar forty two cent loss. Uh, on top of that, they said, yeah, uh, so that whole guidance thing, yeah, we're not going to be doing that anymore. Uh, no more guidance for us. So we blame blame the economy, blame inflation, but uh, we ain't doing the guidance thing. Uh, margins came in extremely weak, way below where the street was expecting. And on top of that, uh, doing a, a, what, a $1 billion stock offering. So uh, not a lot to like in the report. Yeah, so what I found interesting as well was why would they report this disaster and then do the offering? Why didn't they do the offering like a week ago? I, You know, I, like you, you knew you were going to be bad. Some execs had to know the numbers weren't going to be good. Why did they not do an offering a couple weeks ago? They knew how the quarter was shaping up. So you're going to do the offering after your stock's already been killed. That makes a lot of sense. But what makes absolutely zero sense is the rally that we had after all this bad news came out. So all this bad news, the stock just collapses. It goes down all the way to $68, down 30% from the 4 o'clock close. And then all of a sudden, something, I don't know if there was a comment or what happened, but they decided that they had to buy this thing. After the offering, after all the bad news, they start ripping this thing higher. And for the next half an hour, they rip it, up back through scratch, all the way up to $105. It rallies 50, 50% from the $68 low in the next hour. And then slowly leaks it away. And now we're down 20 points from where it was at 6 o'clock. So if you think you could trade earnings and it's just going to be easy peasy on the short side if they're bad and you know they're going to go up on the good, this shows you like, holy mackerel, the people who were selling that were puking their guts out about an hour later. And then, you know, it comes and starts to go back down again. So who knows where this thing's going to go? Price discovery mechanism just lost on this one. Completely. 
Joel, you're on mute. Joel, Joel doesn't even know what to say. No, he's on mute. He's on mute. He's yeah. like, he says, that, he says, I have nothing to say. I would have been, in, if we were in the bright <laughs> office trading, okay, after hours, I would have encouraged you. I wouldn't have done it, but I would have encouraged you to buy 71.56. Why? Because that was a monthly low in May of 2020. And you would have been making money, Joel. Yeah. Well, I probably would have told you to sell it at 68, too. Uh, but and when it took it out, it was like, oh, yeah. we stop out $68. If you would have caught it on the way back up. But how's this for a theory? Um, I I, let, I was listening to Charles Squawking yesterday, right? And yes. I heard just a ton of options activity in this yes. stock. Yes. So is it just people just like laying on the options heavy and knowing that, you know, they could get this thing wild in the after hours. Like if you're buying, the only reason you'd be buying at 80 and 75 and 70 is if you own the, if you were short or, or owned a hundred puts, right? Because you wouldn't be, I mean, unless you really just wanted to get long it. There's and lots then me, of people that buy dips no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> don't, okay. don't underestimate the power of the buy the dipper. They are out there. Okay. All right, I would just say if I'm watching this thing, I just look at the close today. I mean, after all that up and down and all around, where did we close yesterday? 92.50. I'd, you know, I'd use that as uh, resistance because we're trading lower. And uh, I don't I don't think you're going to – you're not going to see that 71.56. I don't know what now. you're going to see in the stock. I'm not <laughs> even touching it today. After yeah. I saw the debacle of the shorts, you know, getting murdered, from five Tough. o'clock to six o'clock, and you know this was a debacle of a quarter. I'm just like out on this one. I like I don't know what to say. I'm not touching this thing. This thing can go wherever it wants to go. All right, enough time yeah. on that. Piece yeah, I mean, just a wild. Uh, it was the wild one. It was know. the wild child last night. Everybody's talking about Tesla, but this was the wild child last night. Yeah. So, so, so from three seventy six. Uh, a year, not even a year ago, it was August three seventy six to eight sixty eight dollars last night. Yeah, and now back to eighty nine. Who knows? The yeah. thing's been oversold for a while, so maybe they just think this uh, is the dumpster. Uh, maybe they were back in this is the dumpster fire quarter where this. Everything is dead. I see about that business is how bad that business is. I I don't know if I've seen a bullish take on Carvana in a long time. Well, maybe. we had Carmax too, which was a disaster ahead of it. So it's not even yeah. about just Carvana. The business itself, you know, used cars has not been going, you know, fabulously well here over yeah. the course of the last too expensive? Few, few months. Yeah, everything's too expensive, Joel. I mean, this is what's going to happen with you know a lot of a lot a lot of different companies are going to have demand destruction if the prices stay high. So, but not Tesla apparently, because Tesla, everybody wants a Tesla. We're going to have robots. We're going to have robo taxi. We're going to have all kinds of stuff. Spencer, talk Tesla. Yeah, there is not a lot to hate in this report. It, it, the company seems to be running like a uh, well-oiled machine uh, as, as best they can in the global chip shortage. But uh, earnings beat, uh, and they reiterated their 50% um, year-over-year uh, uh, growth in, uh, in in deliveries. That, that That's their full-year guidance, and they're on pace to, to do that despite – What's going on in, in semiconductor land? Um, the margins came in above estimates. Uh, there will probably come a point where it's it, it's do or die on the full self-drive thing. Uh, we're clearly not there yet because all that matters is that this company ha- has shown that they, they can produce cars now, that they're scaling up 
and they're doing it in an efficient way, and it's working for them. Uh, Elon Musk on the call, as usual, said a lot of things. Um, the biggest comment to me, he and he said this before, is that their their automate their robotics thing is going to end up being uh, bigger than the, the cars. The, bigger than the cars. I don't know if you believe that, and even even so, I don't know how hard long, to doubt Musk. Though I, I I don't know how long that that that'll take to to come true. But in the meantime, I mean the the company seems to be operating. On all cylinders, frankly, I mean, yeah. they, they, there is not a lot to hate in in their in their report. Uh, you know, the question on Tesla for years was, yeah, but can they make any cars? Can they make any cars? Well, they're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it now. They're doing it cheaper than everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the, it, it's working for them. It, it's been working, and as much as you know, I love Elon Musk, and I do love Elon Musk. I think he's one of the best innovators we've seen in in a century. And, you know, as much as I, you know, appreciate that the cars are pretty cool, it's just been valuation for me the whole time. But, I mean, the valuation doesn't matter if he continues to innovate and continues to find new stories. And, I mean, the whole robotics story is another angle. So, if we go into the robo-taxis and we go into the robotics side of it, and he's saying that's going to be bigger than the cars, I mean, there's a whole other revenue stream. So, those people who are saying that Tesla is a technology company, not a car company, are starting to be proven correct. So, and I've definitely been wrong on this. I haven't participated in any of this. I trade the stock all the time, but in the long-term portfolio, it's never touched because the PE is 100. But I'll tell you, the people who have had it have been absolutely right. The people who have been bearish the stock for a long time have been proven wrong. So am I chasing it up 75 points now? We're not in the type of market where this is, you know, and, and, you know, we could go to the rotations and talk in a few minutes, but the rotation yesterday was absolutely vicious. Growth getting hammered all day yesterday. Value getting bid to, you know, crazy bits and some of the value the dow being up over one percent the nasdaq being down over one percent that's not you know where what we see on a normal day so the rotation is still there i'm still more inclined to sell the pops on something like this because it is the growthy high valuation stuff that the market's turned off of right now but with that being said it's hard to doubt elon musk well i on the pe thing though uh their forward pe is now below 100 and it and it, it's it is- unbelievable that they've grown, it, it, it's they're come growing. Down. It's come down dramatically. I remember, I remember when their forward, mm-hmm. their PE was like, I don't know if it ever got to. They never years. had a PE for the longest time, burning well, cash. Well, no, but like last year, I remember it was like close to two hundred. Something. Yeah. I don't know if it ever got there, but it was it was in the neighborhood of two hundred. It's below a hundred now. Yes. I mean, it's come, it's come down. They're growing into this thing. So, they oh, we just lost Dennis. Um, they, they so the PE is. Sure, maybe it's high compared to like the S and P, but it—I mean, it's looking more and more reasonable. It's not a value stock by any means, but I will—I give—I get your point. Like he keeps continuing to grow, and he's an innovator here. The the bear case to Tesla, you know, giving back ninety percent of it's just not on the table anymore because you're never going to see this thing at a P of twenty or thirty, um, because people just love the story too much. And a P of a hundred, it isn't reasonable by any means. But you know, like to your point, it's as cheap as it's ever been relative to itself. Yeah. And here's the stock, you know, from a hundred bucks to a thousand bucks in that same time period. So you think about if you were buying this back at a hundred dollars when there was the potential for this to be a value stock. I mean, you're laughing at it right now. There, there, you're right, Jason Raznick, right, Gene Munster, right. There's been a lot of bulls on this show, a lot of bears on this show too. Gordo's been dead wrong on this. So I've been dead wrong on this too. 
I mean, Joel, you still own it. So yeah, been... small piece. But could, um, can I do a, a just a quick rant that Spencer is not going to like? Uh, sure. Okay. All right. You know, Dennis, how you say you get like a, a bunch of hate on Twitter, yes. you know, all the time. Well, yes. um, a couple weeks ago, we were I was talking about Tesla and, you know, I draw my lines here and I give a level and I give a level and I, and I keep repeating the level. Right. And I say it several times. Well, one day, you know, Tesla came up again and I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to give this level anymore because I've said it so many times. All right. So I get a, a I don't even file. It's probably a robot. It says, I just really want you to know that I thought what you said about not giving the Tesla level was very disingenuous and that that was, you know, not a nice thing to do. And I really lose a lot of respect for you. You know what? You can kiss like my ass. <laughs> you know? Okay, okay. We're not going <laughs> to. You know what? You, we like you know everyone. What? No, we don't. Tell like me I'm haters. disingenuous because I don't well, spoon that's the feed worst you. Thing you've been called on Twitter, you are blessed. If that's the worst thing you've been called on Twitter, you are blessed. Imagine somebody having the last name of Dick and then going and saying stuff about GameStop. You add that up. You get some really colorful, fun <laughs> Fun stuff happening. If disingenuous oh, is the worst me. thing you've been called yes. on Twitter, you are blessed. All right. All right. Note to self. Don't call Joel don't disingenuous. Don't call Joel disingenuous. <laughs> By putting that, putting that down right now. That might be the nicest, one of the nicer things that gets said to me on Twitter <laughs> sometimes. Right. Anyway. Just, just to be my disingenuous self, you know, yeah. just to keep with my character. Yeah. I, it's 1050 sticking out to me today. I don't oh, you know. gave the number. Yeah, I gave the number. So the disagree. And the only reason is, is it's kind of hanging out here in the pre-market. And then I think I see a, a couple daily highs at that area. Yeah. The actual high of the move is a pair of highs at 1076. And, but there's something going on at 1050 here. All right, 1050. There, there's it, some it, sellers there at 1050 here this morning. Right now. Who knows where this goes to? This thing, it, it, it's going to be important that it does hold up, though, because this is the kind of stock that they are selling lately. And I do want to take it into the rotation here. I know there was a lot of other earnings and there were fun yes. earnings, but I think it's very important to talk about the rotation that we saw yesterday in context of Tesla, in context of um, you know the reopening trade, the value trade. There's a lot of other stuff happening here, and, and we'll tie the airlines into this as well. But yesterday, you had the Dow up significantly, and you had the NASDAQ down big time. I mean, ARKK made a new low on the move here. Not a new low, 52-week low, but a new low on this recent move. And that was on a day that the Dow was up 350 points. So you saw Square get absolutely hammered yesterday. You saw Roku, which obviously off of Netflix, getting hit. But you saw so many of those growthy, high-peed, nosebleed names getting hit yesterday. Now you're getting a relief pop in a lot of those names off of Tesla. I think that relief pop is still to be sold. I do think this value trade has legs. I do think that these airlines, which maybe we should go to now, um, with what they said, and not saying that, you know, they've, they've had a pretty good run, but they're going to rip here again because all these airlines are saying that wow. they, their bookings are as high as they've ever been. So and, there is definitely yeah. a movement into doing stuff. And this reopening trade, which we haven't talked about for a while, is starting to pick up steam here once again. I still think economy is in trouble. I still think there's going to be less discretionary spending going forward. But I mean, you're looking at a separation here on what people are willing to spend on. And right now, people want to do stuff. 
I mean, United Airlines and American Airlines are both saying the magic words, right? Returning to profitability yes. this year. UAL yes. guided for record revenue. Crazy. Uh, not not for the quarter that just ended, but but that's their guidance. Is record that they 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 are forecasting to see record revenue at some point this year. Yeah. Um, I mean. Yeah, Mitch just said it right in our in our just just in our private chat here. The main thing that they both said is traffic has returned, passengers have returned, business travel hasn't really, but in the aggregate, it has right because maybe there's some overcompensation there from from uh, from from actual travelers there. But the magic words returning to profitability this year finally we get a a, a, a somewhat firm timeline on that. Two years in, 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 into uh, into COVID, and that's all you needed to hear, really, right? And and if you're a trader, this just kickstarted so many stocks. Some of them that haven't participated as much. The airlines have been running to a certain extent, so they maybe were already expecting this, which you know the market sometimes can figure stuff out. But I mean, think about a Boeing, like a Boeing which just hasn't gone nowhere here. You wonder if this doesn't give Boeing a kickstart. No position. Um, but you, you just think like the airlines. Here you got American Airlines up 10%. UAL up 8%. I mean, Boeing's been stuck in a rut here for a while. But you think about some of these names. And then you could go like, you know, Carnival Cruise Lines. You start mm-hmm. thinking if the airlines are kicking butt, maybe the cruise lines start to go. Because they haven't really been doing much either for the last month. I mean, RCL, NCLH. You start thinking maybe the casinos which haven't done great either in the last month. Maybe these things get kickstarted here today. So I'm saying if this airline rally really has legs, and I, we're going to find out after the open, I think you got to start looking at the reopening trade here for today at least. We've been talking about this A lot for of these stocks could really get kickstarted by this. Uh, we talk about this a lot on the show and just, you know, the momentum. And uh, Delta kicked it off, right, with their report. And it just, and then they, it's just, follow, everyone is following suit here with it. Uh, we're not back near uh, post-COVID highs, so that's one thing to keep an eye about. But I'll just go specific to um, American Airlines today. This is a big move. I'm not going to, you know, call the top here and say 2190s the top. Uh, what I would say is that if I was long, I was looking to, you know, cover maybe in the next few days, I'd really like to see what happens in the 22 handle. And the reason for that is they, uh, going back to last year, three out of four months in a row, you had highs from 2208 to 2235. So four monthly highs in the same area after major rally, I'd be keeping an eye on that uh, today you know, the next day or two, whatever. But uh, nice rally, pre-market high, 2190. Um, pretty thick stock. It's already traded six and a half million. So I don't think you're going to get the open keeping it down at all. I think you're going to open up pretty high. It's just uh, yeah. see if you can bust into that 22 handle. Well, so- and there's just so many to look at here. I mean, all the airlines look like they're all going to break out. And I, I traded them last night after the UAL said that. I was like, ah, I saw I bought AAL and I bought LUV. I bought Boeing. And I'm, I sold actually all those trades as day trades overnight. But now I'm talking so I can uh, freely talk about them on the show because I don't have them now. I just trade them off the headlines. 
can't make money off headlines, but I mean, obviously, <laughs> disingenuous. <laughs> when, yeah, when you, you know, everybody tells you, "Oh, make money on trading headlines." Well, UAL just rips up seven percent on their thing. I think AAL and the other ones may follow suit. <laughs> obviously, that was a money maker there last night. Um, you know, am I chasing them here this morning? Probably not. The trade was right after, right off the headline when UAL said that they were going to return to profitability next quarter. That was your green light to start grabbing them all. Um, so now what do you do? Well, I think there's a lagger trade. Like I was saying, I'd look at the cruise lines again, you know, they're up 3%, but you know, what happens is a lot of times people are like, okay, ring the register. They pull in a little bit after the open. Maybe that's the time you start. Oh, that's, that's tough. You know, I, I, I you're Trading probably better. Well, that don't, that like stocks that are, they're doing things like this. I mean, you know, you know, who's good at that is, uh, you know, Jeremy. He can forget about the the gap, and you know he can find something on the short term EMA or whatever. Uh, you know, I, it's just hard. I mean, it, it you got to be really, really trading good, is but, tough. Period. Yeah. Oh, with it, this is like but, but chasing stuff. is not like so exactly. I, I'm still back to the the way I trade is that style, Joel. I mean, I'm if I'm bullish a stock and it goes like this parabolic, I'm not chasing and I'm waiting for that pullback mm-hmm. to get give me the chance to get in because. Rarely do stocks just go boom. They go da 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 da. Even on an intraday basis, they do the same thing. So I know I'm not a big intraday fan, but they're waves. A lot of times it's waves because you get the profit takers and then it comes mm-hmm. back in, and it gives you a chance. And that's when you strike. So if you have a bullish thesis, you wait for that little intraday pullback, and that's when you strike. I'm just saying I kind of have a, a bullish thesis going here for maybe not American Airlines because it's already gone and priced in the leaders, but. You know, the cruise lines, the casinos, I think there could be a little bit of a catch-up trade, even with Boeing, again, if it was to pull back a little bit more here, or maybe not open that high. Sometimes it's you just get the stock and they just don't open that high, and they give you a chance that way as well. I know I know. everyone is like made a million dollars when uh, Boeing went to 90 and ripped it up to, what, what, 280 or 300 or whatever, but... You got cons- uh, consolid- potential consolidation going on in the industry. I just don't think they're going to be rushing out. And, uh, you know, they're still losing a lot of money. I think they're going to get the maximum capacity out of the planes that they're having. So, I mean, you can hop on the Boeing trade. You know, there's definitely, you know, good, you know, this is good. They're associated with the airlines. It's just, I don't know. I, I just I look at the consolidation. I also I think we're going to go towards smaller planes, and I've still been looking for you know a company that makes these these more intermediate planes. But um, yeah, so Boeing, I'm not going to touch the levels on Boeing. Uh, I just want to talk about we're just before we move on from the reopening trade. You have to be concerned if you're a Disney shareholder. Yeah, I mean, holy mackerel. I mean, I know the Netflix, the streaming thing. I don't know how much the parks is part of their business. But man, oh man! I mean, you—if this stock is not going to rally now, I don't know. It, you... It's an important day for Disney, I think. Yeah, if we see too. a reopening trade happening here. You need to see Disney go today, and if it doesn't go today, that's a problem. I am long Disney. I've been long Disney for a long time. It's been the wrong trade. I did buy more Disney. It's been the wrong trade. Um, it's been wrong to buy a lot of stocks. It's been a tough investing mm-hmm. market. I know every no, nobody on Twitter loses money, but I mean. You know, I got slaughtered in that Netflix trade that I had as a small percentage of my wife's portfolio yesterday. Ackman ate, ate it yesterday and sold it last yesterday. I mean, it's been a tough investing environment. And as much as you can say, oh, wow, the Dow was up so much yesterday, to, to the point, um, ARKK closed on the lows. I mean, right on the low tick, 56.13. 
You get the relief rally in ARKK here this morning because of Tesla. But, I mean, the path of least resistance for all of these high super growth techie type disruptive technology names is probably still lower. So it's hard to own any of this stuff. What do you, there's uh, certain stuff you can own, and there's certain stuff you just absolutely is just crushing you. And it's it, the higher multiple stuff besides Tesla. It's the higher multiple stuff that's just not performing. Do you think Ackman is uh, going to maybe go back to short selling? You know, he. Uh, I don't he, know if anybody. He, well, none of these activists want to go back, or none of these hedge fund managers want to go back to short selling because the fear that, you know, they disclose the position and all of a sudden everybody jams it, you know, and they yeah. get a hold of it and Reddit gets a hold of it and they jam it on them. They're all scared. I mean, and this is to a certain extent why the market is a little bit more volatile at times when you don't have the short volume in there. I mean, you still got your market makers that are going to short stocks. You tell firms like ours that are going to short stocks. But you build up these huge short positions where, you know, you're two, three, four, five days of volume, and then it gets disclosed and then they ram it on you. It's a dangerous market to have huge size short positions in any one individual name. I don't think Ackman said he was done shorting. He said he was done activist shorting. Which okay. Is, Spencer was thinking maybe he uh and we've gone back and forth on this. I know when I said I talked about Warren, you said Warren doesn't do any any hedging. Uh, I mean Spencer said maybe maybe he had some protective puts on this. I mean you don't have to disclose that. I mean, we don't know. Is uh, he never does that. Okay. That's what, I told you Dennis was going to say that. Okay. He doesn't do that. All right. Uh, it's not his style. He he's bare something to sell. He sold all the airlines. We know Warren bottomed them. He finally sold all of them, and you know, obviously, that was you know near the bottom. So he didn't. Warren didn't do great on the airlines, but he does great on everything else. So we're never going to be one hundred percent right, folks. If you're sitting there with a one hundred percent, you know, record, you know, you've never had a losing trade here. It's probably because you refuse to take the losers, and we know eventually what happens. So don't be afraid to admit you're wrong. Take your losers and move on. It's the only way of longevity in this business. Also, when it comes to you know owning individual stocks, only you know how much pain you can take, right? Like people, I get asked every single week about about SoFi. Uh, you guys know that I own a bunch of cannabis stocks too that have all had been, had had rough years, uh, but they're all very they're all very small portions of my overall portfolio Co- collectively. The, the 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 cannabis and the SoFi, it's whoa, it's like got to be less than ten percent of my overall portfolio, right? And that's that's among five different stocks, right? So only you know how much pain you can take. If you can't take a fifty percent haircut, then oh, that's okay, then then sell, right? But the pain tolerance is unique to everyone, right? And that's part of the game. That's what individual stocks. That's what they do. That's what they 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 can go down fifty percent on you. They will. Um, so there's always going to be something that hits you. It's why it's important to stay diversified. And right. I've always been an advocate for not only staying diversified in your long-term portfolio, but also in your trading account. I rarely put more than 3 or 5% of my capital into any individual day trading idea because you know what? A halt can happen. I've had it happen to me three times over my 22-year career, intraday, where I've been intraday halted, and I've had I've been short of stock. I was short salging. I was short salging in my day trading account the yeah. day that it got halted and taken over. And I lost 60% on that day trade. Six zero. What did I do? I ate it right away. But I mean, if you were all in, I can't take a 60% haircut. So I've probably had 5% of my money, you know, on my day trading account in that. And then I lose 60% on that 5%. 
well, that's still only 3% of your account. So you can eat that. But if you're all in on a day trading idea and all of a sudden that happens, you know, you, it's just bad luck. I mean, there's a luck factor involved on any given trade as well. Don't yeah. kid yourself. Wasn't Overall, there a Humana trade too? Was it Humana or there was a some kind of deal going uh, through? I don't and remember it, Humana. And the deal fell through. Was I don't know if it was Humana. Um, I can't. No, I remember one that was worse than that. It was overnight. A deal fell through or something. Well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're I gonna be in. You're gonna be caught on the wrong side of news. You're in this business long enough. Even if you're just an intraday trader, eventually you will get caught in a hole. Eventually you will be on the wrong side of some news. Unless you're just trading S and P. Maybe if you're just an indexer. But if you're trading individual stock names, it's inevitable that you're going to be caught on the wrong mm-hmm. side of news. I'm caught on the wrong side of news every single day because sometimes I got a hundred or two hundred overnight positions. And I just happen, you know, like, and then you work out of as best you can. So I, I do a revaluation when I'm caught on the wrong side. It's not like, oh, I'm trying to scratch my trade. I'm like, okay, I'm long a stock. It got downgraded this morning and, you know, I was long it overnight. So now what do I do? Well, I, I analyze. I'm like, well, that downgrade is probably worth about 3%. So if I can get out for a 2% loss, I'm saving myself 1%. That's how I see it. So I would see myself as trying to work out of that trouble by saving myself on what I think it's worth. If it's down 6% and I feel it's only 3%, then I might be like, well, I'm going to hold back because I think it should come up a little bit because that's an overshoot. So, I mean, but that's the quantitative approach that I take to the markets. Every single thing I'm doing, I'm a quant. There's Don't, don't you kid yourself. You are I'm a, a little, you're a robot. I'm, all should... trading traders are quants. You know, we're quants, we're statter, you know, we're looking at statistics, we're analyzing, we're short long. I mean, we're doing a quantitative approach to the markets, but I think everybody needs to do that to a certain extent, you know, and analyze, you know, your quantitative approach, even to Spencer Israel's point, you've got to analyze just, you know, even in your individual holdings, you know, if you have all your money in SoFi, I mean, you know, yeah. you're doubling down, doubling down, doubling down. And I mean, doubling down works great to bring up your winning percentage, but it doesn't always bring up your trading account. I mean, sure, a lot of times they come back and a lot of times you average down and then you get your money back. But that time you don't, that time you keep adding to that loser and it keeps going down, it's trouble. I, I, I don't I don't have any stats to back up uh, what I'm about to say, but I, I know that from for every stock that drops 50, 60% and then comes back, there's probably, what, 10 that don't come back, I mean. Sure. Right? So, so yeah, if, if you're... If your whole idea is you're holding this for the long term, you're holding this for for the for the for the fifty bagger that you think it is, and you're willing to stomach that that fifty percent haircut in the meantime, fine. Um, but you'll you'll be wrong more often than you're right because most stocks that um, you know for every Amazon that would that fell ninety percent or AMD right or Microsoft. There's ten that never made it back, right? It's just yeah. the way, it's oh, just yeah. the way it is. So um, that's kind of just the way it goes. That right? Kathy portfolio, and there's a reason yeah. she's probably down to like 35 names, and she yeah. just have like 70 or 80 because she realized, and she's she's smart for doing that. She's getting rid of a lot of her junk. Yeah, she's realized, and yep. she's eating losers. Yep. And you know what? Maybe she's learning. You know, maybe she actually is learning and maybe she's, you know, doing more analysis and then getting the ones that she really believes in and going with those. And that's been a good approach for her for, for a while, obviously, you know, and then obviously fell apart. But I mean, I mean, it's by everything growth and just hoping everything goes. 
And so yeah. I guess yeah. you know she's doing. They're doing more research, figuring it out. Do we, but do I don't have, mind her taking losses. Do we? Do we have Cameron or? Because uh, well, we, we, we have Cameron here. Yes, Cameron Dawson. Thank you for the keeping us on on track, Joel. Cameron Dawson, uh, Chief Market Strategist at Field Point Private, is here. Let's get her on the show right now. Cameron, good morning. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Um, you, you know what we haven't talked about today at all yet? I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this as well. Is just yesterday's overall action, the the way you had like the major components in the market, just some of them got absolutely crushed yesterday. And in the aggregate, it really wasn't that bad a day for the indexes. I'm curious what you think of that. Yeah, we saw some of the, the the weakness was really contained in just the tech parts of the market and where you could extrapolate, hey, Netflix is having weakness. And so other areas that might be similar are having weakness as well. And because Netflix's move was so large, that's what pulled down the, the queues. I, I think we we continue to see rallies in inflation benefiting areas of the market, like in energy and then in some of the more defensive areas. So I don't know how much to read into it because we're still even in today's uh, market trading, we're still caught in a fairly tight range that we've been in for the past couple of weeks with really no movement to break out to one side or the other. And so we just continue to be caught in this chop. Yeah. Um, on that note about uh, tech, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, you, you pose the question here is, is, uh, is it the end of an era? We know that uh, everything is cyclical, right? everything comes in favor and out of favor and time is a is a circle uh we were coming off this 10-year period of of dominance by tech it's come off now in the last what year year and change mm-hmm. um so going forward here what sort of things are you looking at uh as it pertains to tech well to call for the end of an era in tech is not to say that these aren't great companies that can't continue to outperform on an earnings basis, right? A lot of these companies have better free cash flow, better return on invested capital, but we have to appreciate just how beneficial the liquidity environment has been for tech names. And one of the points that I try to make is that you've seen incredible outperformance on an annualized basis each and every year for tech names. It's been 30 
30% for the past three years on an annualized basis that tech has outperformed the market. But if you look at just the past two years, or really 2019 to 2020, that annualized outperformance was 47%. And that two-year period is so important because that's when the Fed started throwing liquidity at the system. All of the super accommodative Fed actions that we saw in 2020 and 2021 really started in 2019. That was the Powell pivot. That's when Powell said that we're going to not have the balance sheet runoff be an autopilot. And they ended up cutting rates in 2019. And that caused the rollover in real interest rates. And the end result was that you had tech growth, long duration multiples start to surge to the upside. So I think I showed the chart in in the deck that that talks about how tech actually used to trade at a discount to the market. I mean, this seems wild in this world where we've all kind of gone on to this idea that tech is just superior to everything. But prior to 2019, tech traded at a slight discount to the market. So after 2019, it started to trade at a big premium. It got up to a 30% premium at the peak in, in last year of liquidity and tech optimism. But that's only fallen to just 20%. So we think as the Fed continues to tighten, as real interest rates move higher, the end of the era is really about tech multiples coming more into line with the rest of the market. It's really not an argument about earnings because we do see very strong kind of secular trends for these names. It's just what's the premium you're willing to pay for them in a tighter liquidity environment. At what point, like, and obviously there has been some repricing here in the really high growthy stuff. I mean, at what what signals do we look for to say, okay, well, we've come to reasonable valuations. It's coming enough now that maybe we can start nibbling our toes in tech. Or has this just been so, you know, outperformed for so long that it's going to take a lot longer than we think? Yeah, I, you know, I, we, I would be... Uh, nervous to use the parallel of the 2000s for large big tech as the pathway forward, right? Because that that parallel would say that there's a lot more room to fall for a lot of these names. I think for large tech uh, that we would look for something that would look more like a 5 to 10% premium versus the rest of the market as a good signal really or where it would be truly washed out. So that doesn't mean that you can't start buying on the way down. Let's take software names, for example. They traded at a peak of 33 times back at the end of last year. It's now fallen to, it fell to about 28 times during the early correction at the beginning of this year. It's bounced back to about 30 times. But back in 2018, 2020, 2016, those names got down to the low 20s. So if you look at software in aggregate, we start trading at 25, 26 times. That's probably a good buying opportunity for the long run for names that are rather strong. Now, you know, and have great growth potential. Now, I think we have to think about those speculative names, those very, very high called infinity multiple names differently. That's where the parallel to the 2000s probably is a lot more apt to use, where you're in these downtrends. Yes, a lot of these names have fallen 60%. They can stage huge countertrend rallies. 
uh, to the upside, they, they hit um, uh, overhead resistance into a downtrend like we saw with ARC just a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's a, an area where if you see rallies, that it's unlikely that if we don't see any sign that we're actually turning into a new trend change, that you should be really using those rallies to sell. Because at the end of the day, the liquidity environment that allowed those names to outperform, which was deeply negative real interest rates, lots of quantitative easing, uh, lots of support for markets in general, that liquidity environment has gotten completely flipped on its head. And so it's no longer your friend if you're an owner of very high multiple, very speculative names. So rallies really should be sold in those areas as a risk mitigation strategy. So if we're staying away from high growth tech, where would you hide in this environment? Like what? Because we have a lot of a lot of our listeners are long only. So it's not a matter of like going and shorting tech off this. Where would where what areas can you hide? And I mean, the commodity trade seems overbought. And, you know, some of the value names like Berkshire Hathaway just continue to outperform. Do you continue to hide and just value? Is that where we should hide in this environment? Yeah, the trends in value look a lot better on an absolute and relative basis. So I think fishing from those value ponds makes a lot of sense. And I think the the one key strategy going into the next couple of months is that this is not the time to try to buy falling knives. This is not the time to be a hero and buy something that's been that's been washed out or in a weak trend. Really look for strong relative trends, uh, and that could include some energy names, and of course being you know, being very aware that you're going to be very sensitive to oil prices and all of that, but looking for names within subsectors, sub-industry groups that are in strong relative uptrends seems to be a winning game. The other thing to consider is that we are late cycle. This is this is purely a late cycle environment, which means that you have to focus on quality. And it means that your returns are simply going to be lower. It's not the exciting time coming out of the out of 2020, where you could have super normal returns and, and 100% gains in just a couple of months. That time is behind us. And so we end up having a little bit more of a boring environment where it's about being a little bit more defensive, focusing on dividends. High dividend paying stocks are still trading at 20% discount count to the market. That discount, they used to trade at parity prior to the Powell pivot that we talked about in 2019. So that discount should close. Now, the reality is that it's likely that the rest of the market comes down to the valuation of the high dividend payers instead of the dividend payers going up. But it does mean by focusing on those areas, you're not exposed to the risk for multiple compression, which likely happens in the high growth areas. So liking late cycle, traditional late cycle plays, which would be energy energy, utilities, uh, uh, which are getting a bit expensive, um, of uh, looking in selective industrials, you have to be really careful in that space. Probably overall, there's still room to go on this trade from goods to services. We're seeing that in the airlines this morning. There's already a fairly big spread between things like specialty retail, which would include goods like Home Depot, Lowe's, and those names are down 20% year to date. But the airlines are up probably as of this morning, closer to 10% year to date. So you already have a 30% spread in there. Um, there might be some more room to run in that trade. Is it likely you know, we're just getting started in this shift from goods to services? But again, it has to have that quality overlay and valuation discipline because in this environment, uh, taking flyers and buying really expensive names or low quality junky names uh, is, is, I think, quite dangerous. 
We're on the line with Cameron Dawson. Mm-hmm. She's a chief market strategist at Fieldpoint Private. Uh, Cameron, I think the, the biggest debate in the market right now and market participants is fundamentally is rising interest rates, right? And there is a point where rising interest rates have an impact on the economy, right? And so there's this foregone conclusion that we are heading into a recession because of the higher interest rates. What indicators, what are you, I know the true definition of, uh, of what a recession is. What, what are you looking for, for this, uh, you know, looming slowing of the economy recession? What, what indicators do you use? So we've been on the brink of falling into negative growth territory all year. If you look at the Atlanta Fed GDP now, it has bounced between zero and one, 1.25% all quarter. Uh, and so we are already starting to see signs that we are in a period of much lower growth. So the recession indicators, the first one we can talk about, of course, is the yield curve. And I think it's important to kind of break down what the yield curve can be telling us, because one of the things that has emerged over the last couple of of, of weeks, given the yield curve inversion in the twos, tens curve, two year, the 10 year minus the two year, is that we aren't seeing recession signals because of the three-month tenure still remaining really cheap. Now, this is very misleading because the three-month just tells you where the Fed is going to be in its Fed funds rate within the next three months, whereas the two-year is telling you kind of the, the, the two-year sum of where the market thinks the Fed funds rate is going to be. It's a very simple way to look at it, but helpful, which means that the three-month is low today because the Fed has only just started tightening, but the three-month will rapidly rise, meaning that three-month 10-year spread will rapidly fall uh, as the Fed delivers on rate hikes. So we don't think that it's the right thing to say, oh, the three-month tenure is fine, we're perfectly okay. It really is just a function of how behind the curve the Fed is. Now, when we think about the recession risks, we can we have to look at the labor market. And the labor market still remains very tight. Uh, we still have near-record job openings. We get the new JOLTS data on May 3rd. That's the date of the next Fed policy meeting. So that will be important to watch because the Fed is telling you we will we, we think we have lots of room to tighten policy because job openings are so high. So the labor market looks okay, but then we have to think about spending and consumption. And this is where we're starting to see signs that things look a little bit shakier. So there was an article that came out in the uh, in Bloomberg this morning that talked about how half, a full half of student loan borrowers say that they couldn't make a payment on their student loans if they had to today, okay. which is incredible we've been in this student loan morning it's a good thing they don't have to today if you're because a lot of people don't realize that we extended the student loan moratorium to august meaning that back it was on the 6th of april they did yet another extended extension it's been extended many many times since since the beginning of, of 2020 when it was was first put on hold but what we're seeing is signs that consumers really are starting to come under pressure because of inflation 
And the chart here is so interesting because a lot of people have been trying to scratch their heads saying, you know, why is the University of Michigan Consumer Confidence Survey so weak? Uh, it's the weakest it's been since 2008, 2009. And yet they're still buying. People have great jobs and, and house prices are going up. Stock prices are still fairly high. This isn't consistent with a very weak uh, consumer environment. Well, the reality is that this number, this University of Michigan number, plummeted in April of last year. April of last year was when real wage growth went negative, which means that for a full year in aggregate in this economy, prices have been growing faster than wages. For a full year, consumers have been losing purchasing power. And that was okay at first because consumers had a big savings buffer. We had uh, all the pent-up state savings that consumers built during the, during the pandemic. But the stat, and this comes from Mizuho's chief economist, the stat is that two of that $2.5 trillion of excess savings, two-thirds of it is held by just the top 10% of consumers. But and, and but then Cameron, it's also true though that how consume how people feel isn't necessarily always a great indicator <laughs> yeah. of uh, future economic activity. Uh, in fact, very often it can be a contraindicator uh, of of activity because yeah, I mean, if you bought the last times that Umich went to to its lows in 08 and eleven, great buying opportunities. But this gets us back to you. Know, I think we talked about this a couple months ago, which is that watch what people do, not what they say. Yes, yes. It, it, it's consistent with the fact that you see investor surveys being incredibly bearish and very very indicative of or consistent with strong forward returns from here, right? When you get super bearish, great contrarian cycle. The problem is that people really have not been selling. People really have not been moving into very risk-off assets. Well, here, I mean, here we have the TLT, which is a risk-off asset. This is a little bit of a, of a different story, but but we haven't seen a, a big move lower in equity positioning within portfolios. We haven't seen a big move lower in margin account balances. They've only fallen by about 8% in the last six months. This is pretty wild in the context of a lot of retail uh, names that have I've drawn down 60% plus. And so we're, we're, we haven't seen that kind of rush for the exits that we would normally see when sentiment is this week. Cameron, I always thought you were a good guest, but now that I know that you're a huge Michigan fan, now you're oh. you, you move up to be one of my favorite my favorite guests. Go blue, Cameron. I'm a Florida person, so <laughs> No, the conclusion here. Yeah, wait, she kept it Michigan, Michigan. I was going to sing the fight song. No, Michigan sentiment. The conclusion was that whatever comes out of Michigan is not to be believed. Is is what we just. That's what Joel reads out of that when he hears Michigan. He thinks blue. He bleeds Uh, blue though, Cameron. So, (laughs) all right, Cameron Dawson, Field Point Private. uh, Always appreciate you taking the time to come on our show, and you always come well prepared with. uh, plenty of research and data to back up what you're saying. So Cameron, have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your week and uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks Cameron. guys. All right. Um, I had something to add to that and I don't remember what it was now. So anyway, let's go to ticker time here and uh, drop some tickers for us in the chat. And then Dennis, I I would just like your thoughts on the question I posed to Cameron right off the top there, which we, we didn't really address at all on this show, which was just yesterday 
Joel and I Crazy, were, yeah. were very impressed with the overall market in light of Facebook getting crushed, Netflix getting crushed, Tesla was weak into that report, right? Yeah. So a lot of red at the top of the screen, but overall, it was pretty good. What would you make of that? I mean, it was just the rotation. I mean, you had a lot of individual names, just yeah. sector rotation to a ridiculous level. Like I said, a lot of those names in ARKK, ARKK closed on the lows, but then you had so many names that were just so strong. I mean, the cyclical trade is still performing, and you actually had airlines up ahead of this report, and now they're up even more. I mean, this market is all about the rotation right now, but it's all about still the fade trade in there and chasing moves has not worked in 2022 and i think that continues to be the case so i'm skeptical of you know just chasing an s&p rally here when he didn't have participation from the nasdaq whatsoever yesterday i'm skeptical of just you know randomly jumping in the commodity trade here now because it is overextended but it has continued to work so i think you just are in an environment where You've got to keep taking the money, you know, as you get it, not sitting around. If your stock goes up 10%, don't sit around waiting for it to go up 20. Take the money and run. That's the kind of market we're in. We're in the take the money and run market. That's it. Uh, okay. I, I want to talk new cores from the chat. Yeah. New core with sure. the best quarter ever. And I mean, this has been a huge holding in my long-term portfolio for a <gasps> very, very, very long time. And I actually sold half of it a couple of days ago. One, because I didn't want to take it through the quarter, but more so, it just feels like it's as good as it gets. I feel like we're in this environment where still, I do believe that the economy is going to start to slow and some of this demand destruction is going to start to happen. And I think you're going to have less demand for steel six months from now. So I look at this and I see a stock that has went from $50 to $169 because of the pull forward of everything. You know, and obviously, um, you know, you saw what's happened to home builders. And it's interesting to disconnect just because commodities have been so hot that Nucor, Cliff, X have all been performing. But Nucor comes out best quarter ever, $7.67 this morning versus a $7.29. But if you look here, stock not rallying. Um, so that is concerning. Um, I still have a good chunk of my position. But like I said, I did sell, I think, over half of it actually a couple days ago. So, and, and booking a really huge gain off that too, which means I think that there could be some trouble sometimes ahead. Yeah, it was a uh, down day, down day yesterday um, on pretty good volume at a strong market. So that in, in, indicates, you know, sellers out there, the true sellers, they're trying to get out between 172 and 173. You have to mark an area, you know, higher price, you know, a little bit thinner stock. Uh, I'd only get concerned, not concerned, but keep an eye on yesterday's low. You know, you see these stocks, they get hit, they don't immediately react. I would see what happens at yesterday's low. If it holds yesterday's low, then, hey, why not go back and test the close? It does 69 and a quarter, and then perhaps that all-time closing high at 171.83. And, and Nucor, to, to Dennis's point, said it, they just had the most profitable quarter in their history. So uh, It's a company that is firing on all cylinders, I mean, yeah. and it's been a fabulous stock. But you got to give a perspective. I mean, these are huge intense moves like bring up the monthly on Nucor. how much good you know and again this is not this is a cyclical business it's not like they're just going to continue to make seven dollars and sixty cents every single quarter going forward i mean look at this move relative to what the stock did for a decade it went nowhere now all of a sudden it triples in less than a year i mean at a certain point you gotta just say hey i got this one right finally 
this has been a, a, a gift a participation in the commodity trade and he started reading the register i still held a chunk so i didn't sell it all because wow you know it's just been an unbelievable form and it could still continue to go up but you start looking at what the home builders have done bring up the home builders charts i'm not saying that all steel is and homes is different but your infrastructure you, you're, you're doing different things like i just think like eventually you could start to see that happen here so where you've got the XHB, which has had this incredible move, and now all of a sudden it's like well, people don't have the kind of money to build a home. Do businesses still have the money to you know do you know different types of buildings and stuff? Yeah, that's still going to go on, but maybe it goes on a little bit less. If we do get into a recession, don't kid yourself, steel stocks will get hit. So if I'm you know of the feeling that I think that there's a possibility of a recession, it's time to take some of this money. All right, quickly some stocks from the chat here. Uh... Las Vegas Sands got a mention uh, from Michael Smith, and I mean that fits into the reopening trade. So it hasn't really done anything really since since the start of the well, actually it's going back several years now. It's, that's been a bit of LVS. I mean, yeah. it just you, you look at the long term trend of these things. I mean, if you if you were going in for a trade and you know you're looking for a pop, you, but I mean just a long term trend. Just even before the pandemic, I mean this thing was eighty bucks in July of two thousand eighteen, right? So whatever way you stack it up on a you know relative basis, this has not been a place to put your money. Now, like Dennis said, you can trade anything. If I had this on for a trade, I'd be keeping an eye just over forty dollars. What's that? Yeah. Forty and a half, something like that. I look at that as resistance. If it takes it out, you got another leg higher. But just long term, I mean, these things have just, you know, they haven't been great performers. So why why all of a sudden? And look at Penn. I mean, you know, this whole gaming thing, Penn and DraftKings, we're supposed to, you know, the greatest thing in the world, sports betting. And look at this. I mean, these have been perhaps... The worst investment since the middle of 2021. Well, it's valuation, Joel. It's yeah. valuation here. And we've been Yeah, but Sean Udall the... says they're making tons of money, you know? But well, they're spending Sean, tons. To DKNG, it does not make any money, no. Joel. So that's just, you know, Sean well, Udall's not right. Revenues. Revenues. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. DKNG is burning cash. Yeah. So, again, this 2022 is the market that does not like stocks that burn cash. Tesla doesn't burn cash anymore. That's why it's getting a pass. Exactly. Also, it's a pass. It's a huge component cash. of the S&P, which I talk about every day. My index Arbing, I'm trading it all the time. So I get what's holding it, like what, what holds that up to. But again, to Spencer's point, it's still growing money and it's actually not burning cash anymore. These businesses that are not making money right now continue to get hit and they continue to get hit hard. So, and I mean, ARC is full of them. And I keep going, people say, why do you go back? Because it, you, it's, it's telling you, it's just a good index for high growth companies that don't make money because the majority of companies that she owns besides Tesla are, are that. So it's just a good index. It's like, why do I talk about Warren? Berkshire is a good indication for value. So when you look ARKK versus BRK.B, you can clearly see the divergence where value continues to outperform to Cameron's point. And growth continues to underperform. And I don't see that changing suddenly here. People keep waiting and trying to time the bottom and time the bottom. But maybe this takes a lot longer than we think it's going to take. I mean, yeah, some of these stocks have been going down for a year. Some of these stocks should never have been where they were, though. And some of these stocks are never going back to those prices. So we're not going to have a, a 200 EV companies that are all making EVs and we're all going to have 10 cars. No, but we'll have one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's it. And I and to this point, like this is how much I'm worried. I sold my Ford yesterday. 
So I came in and I actually sold my Ford yesterday. And I sold half of my GM as well because I just look at it. I was like, who in the hell right now? Maybe this is short-termism. I did keep part of the GM position, but maybe it's short-termism saying, but I look at it and I'm like, I love the EV story there. But I'm like, who's buying a $95,000 pickup? Who's got the money to do that? So I'm like, I got to think that their next quarter is going to suck. You know what? I got to hop I, here I, I after, after a three-day hiatus. Pre-market prep plus is back. and We missed hundreds of symbols in here. So I'm going to hop. I'll let you guys there finish go. it up. Triple well, D, give me a call after the open, okay? Yeah. Joel's over at premarketprep.com. I'm just, you know, I know you got to hop there too, Spencer, but I just want to finish my point. Um, It's this huge high ticket discretionary purchases. Like the homes were the first one to fall, you know, and you've seen what's happened in the home bills. But I think anything you're getting, people are going to still buy. They're going to travel to a certain extent. I mean, people want to go on a vacation. They've been cooped up. But, you know, if you're thinking about going and buying a new $95,000 pickup, I think a lot of people would love to do that. I don't think a lot of people are going to have the discretionary income to do it. So it's one thing for a $50,000 pickup pick or 60, but I mean, and maybe I'm talking Canadian prices, but the F-150, the new one, is sitting on the lot, and they want $90,000 for that thing. So like 70000 US. I'm like, that's like, I bought my last F-150, 2018. I was, I paid 60 Canadians, so like 45. Yeah. I mean, the, the price is up 50%. It, uh, it's, 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 it's crazy. To your point about uh, Ford and, and EV, did you see the chart from Tesla's thing last night about no, do you uh, have it? their orders from the day after the Super Bowl? There was all those ads for other EVs, awesome. not not Tesla, other EVs, yeah, and it directly benefited Tesla. Yeah, because so, Tesla's uh, just synonymous with EV. Yes, I yes. mean, Musk, let's call Musk has done everything right. Not you know, not, you can hate not, the guy. He has not done everything. He's done on a lot Tesla's of front. When it's with not not his own personal life okay, with his, what he tweets, but fine. on the Tesla front, uh, there were so many doubters. People on our show saying it's going to zero. You know, a lot of people. I said I I, I said all along I didn't think it was going to zero. Remember, I wrote the hundred bucks, <laughs> so I was of the opinion that it could go up. I, was I never skeptical. thought it could go up tenfold. I, I was skeptical too because you, you, you didn't know if they could do it, and they've done it. So good for them. Good uh, for Tesla. We yeah. we gotta hop though. Uh, yeah. I miss I misspoke yesterday. Today is the day where Mike Tyson and Ric Flair are speaking. Oh my god! Woo! At Capital Conference Day Two is already live. We're gonna end this show. Send you guys over there. I'll be back at three thirty for at the close. Catch you guys later. Have a good well, I eat some of those ears, those gummy ears. Get and give me a bring. Tell somebody down there to bring me back a pack of gummy ears. I want those pack of gummy. Uh, ears. Okay, congratulations to New Jersey cannabis legal sales start today. Go get some if you're in Jersey. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.